For almost a decade on my TV show Interview with Ed, I've been interviewing extra-dimensional beings and consciousnesses from a number of different realms. Many of my questions have been answered, but with every answer comes more questions. Join me on my ongoing quest to find out who are we, why are we here, and where are we going? All right, Bridget is our special guest today. So uh, welcome, Bridget. It's been it's been a minute. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing so well. I know we. I feel like we've known each other for such a long time now. But yeah, we haven't caught up in a while. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the last time we actually caught up was like two years ago. uh, I feel at the uh, the cafe in Sedona there. Yeah. Um and. At that time, um, I even think I'm like thinking back to it, you know, we caught up just a little bit, but there's so much we didn't really get into the hybrid stuff. We didn't get into what what sort of launched our initial meeting was the hybrid children stuff. At that time, we were just talking about new earth communities and uh, sustainable stuff, which we're doing now. But uh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this time. So thank you for giving us your time. And let's just start with opening the floor with maybe a quick introduction. I think most people are familiar with, at least with our episode, and probably many other people have gone and and followed your other work, but just a quick kind of update to bring people up to speed from the show. From From the show. I I know that's a lot. Let's see how I can do this. Um, yeah. So hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. I really like these inner circle situations where we're in these cozy spaces. So thanks for having me be a part of it. Um, yeah, where I'm at right now. So I'm an experiencer. Uh, I have gone through the hybridization program. I'm aware of my hybrids, aware of a lot of those things going on. And then over the years, that has just gone on into different like phases and different pieces of my own personal exploration on my journey and then also like watching the currents of other people's journey and things just like unfold uh with everything because so much of what I see I think is like from this big picture perspective and I see so much uh shifting and changing so for me personally I've gone like from a space of guidance into I think also what like Ruben's getting what many of us are getting which is really bringing heaven on earth here and now um, and really being fully activated humans, which is inclusive of our uh, multidimensional natures, absolutely necessary and um, doing big cleanup and clear out work so that actually everything that we already have like within us, within our genetics, like fully lights up. And that's really where I've been at. Is like very big kind of, but I'm trying to do a little synopsis um, for the past uh, many years. And um, yeah, I'm trying to keep it short. What, what do you think? No, no, that that was, that's awesome. We started with, with uh, talking about the hybrid children, you know, that was sort of the main uh, reason I, I had uh, reached out to you. You had their website, hybridchildren.com, was it? Uh, hybridchildrencommunity.org. Community.org. Okay. Yep. And then, because at that time, all of my interviews, they kept coming up, hybrid children, hybrid children. And also in my research, just from the UFO community, I was talking to tons of experiencers who had been aboard ships and had talked about that. 
And then over the years, that that sort of discussion has evolved and shifted in, in my perspective, and I, I'm sure it has for you. So I guess what uh, what I'm really looking forward to in this conversation today is bringing people up to speed on your outlook on what what the hybrid children phenomenon is and um and sharing that because i feel uh from watching a couple of your recent videos that your perspective as well as mine has sort of correlated and oh um, really i see i don't know what yours is right now so this is yeah, fun. yeah so you know we've had the conversation a couple of the other guests uh, more recent on the on the membership panel here we I think we talked with uh, Wiedeka came in and we talked with her about it a little bit. Um, and a couple of the other uh, calls we've had, the, the, the subject has come up a little bit um, recently with Wendy Kennedy. And it's gone from this happy-go-lucky, which was kind of our, our initial conversation about uh, the hybrid children and the greys and this happy-go-lucky uh, I can't wait to reconnect and it's so awesome to w- wait a minute put on the brakes now did you took me without my will you know yes. there's that's not cool like we okay. need to have a conversation about that and um and i think that's kind of where it's starting to re- settle at least with within this community is that um that uh yeah there's still the sole contract concept that we we talk about um, but there's also simultaneously this this breaking of the free will that is not cool. And there's like, hey, you know, let's sit down and 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 maybe there should be some sort of, you know, uh, um, Nuremberg trials or something, you know, <laughs> right. type of situation where yeah. we're, where we're all sitting around this galactic table and like, that wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. You know, what are you guys going to do about it? Yeah. Um, that kind of situation that's i feel that's where the conversation should be going still again uh i may not i'm not in this camp that uh all the grays are bad or that uh you know all the uh, uh hybrid hybridization programs are bad uh however there are clearly some more uh more breaking of the free will or more more aggressive than some of the others yeah. Are you feeling the same? <laughs> well, well said. Um, yeah. And I think it really comes down to because there's so many nuances. And I think we can get really caught into like the details of like the who this and the what that. And mm-hmm. I like see that. I've seen that in the community over the years. And it's like getting caught up in the details is it's important to like understand them. But like at its core, where I'm at with that is that, yes, there was a breaking of uh free will or like coercive you know like how well okay who consented was it like did the government consent for me did like the high up mormon like uh people uh mormon whoever they were are like bishops and stuff did they decide the president of the mormon church decide that then they could like work on mormon descendants and like mormons like who decided like was it and it's of course like our souls decided too so our souls decided our governments kind of decided for us and then even like different cultural and religious groups decided on our behalf. And I think the benevolence, I don't know if benevolence is maybe the right word, but the um, the positive side of it is that it's 
a catalyst, how I'm looking at it, is it's a catalyst towards sovereignty and that reclamation of free will from the perspective of from this density, like from this reality game of where we're at um, coming into, you know, third density and having and transforming. The biggest lesson, one of the biggest lessons is free will and is the reclamation of sovereignty. So what better way to do that than to kind of like come in with all of that like taken away so that we can get to the point on our own spiritual journeys and paths, even as like a culture, you know, around this subject and like shift towards like, wait a second. Like that's a sign of our own healing and our own reclamation, which is, I think, the very kind of like the the good part in it, you know, because I think there's yeah. a lot of conversation right now. Um, just in the world at large where, where it's like, was COVID a good thing? Was it a bad thing? Like, did actually like, did the positive set it up? Because then it's a catalyst for good. And, you know, there's kind of like that back and forth. But right, right. I see that as like a positive of it. So. Well, well <clears throat> I caught your conversation with Dan Winter and um, and you guys got into the Mormon subject a little bit uh, just for our audience. You meant you just mentioned Mormon bishops giving consent yeah. to you know so fill us in on on that aspect of things right because we do have a few former mormons in the in the, in the group here oh do you hello yeah. um we all we all have our own gorgeous um you know family lines we're born into again like these contracts of like different energies that we want to come into and i came into uh like a pretty deep Mormon heritage, like all the way back from the beginning, like the original polygamist Mormon pioneers. Um, but I'm second generation out because my dad got out before uh, he had me. But the the church actually was in agreement with these like abductions. And it was from like so many different points at this point, like whether it's research, tons of people like coming to me and my own experiences and like knowings were that, um, yeah, they made an agreement because Mormons were utilized more than other people. And as I was deep in that work, one of the reasons is because the, of the kind of excess empathy, because there is this real culture around nurture and well, probably submissive compliance on the feminine side, but like also like women that had like nurtured big families, they were used to that. And that was one of the necessary components was um, that that love and that connection for the hybrids to actually survive. And so um, one of, you know, the segments of humanity was like, OK, we need some, you know, extra like kind of Mormon women that one we can agree we can like kind of consent for and then also will give this extra love so that these hybrids will survive um but yeah it does i mean just that just that nugget alone is something that would we could go very deep into like you were just saying is it good or is it bad did the did the good set this up for us right. to learn these lessons so we can do this and and at the end of the day, I think it's just all the natural evolution of of humanity and, and the way we're picking our stories and le learning what we can from them. So, so that that's why I think the hybrid program, the grays and all of this, this galactic interaction, especially with the hybrids on that deep, intimate level, 
there's so much to learn from. There's so much to take for our evolution. So why why ignore that storyline, right? That's such Absolutely. an amazing storyline to, to go deep into. And and I'm sure it, it's going to differ per individual. General consensus uh, for the hybrid programs in uh, in Japan is very different. Lisa Royale oh, talks really? about this. Yeah, and, and, and the Japanese culture and the people who have experiences, it's traditionally a very much positive experience where you talk to American abductees and people who've been taken on the ships. And for the most part, many of them have had uh, horrific type things, screaming and kicking and <laughs> that kind of thing. Where in Japan, it's all like love and light. Uh, so it's, I think it depends on the culture. You just mentioned the, the, the Mormons. Um, it's, it's very di different and it's going to differ depending on culture, individual, all, all kinds of factors. But I do believe we should be having this conversation about how do we, how do we make peace with it? Uh, you know, yeah. do, is it, was that cool? You know, whether right. it was a sole contract or not. Now we're coming to the realization where we're gaining control or gaining understanding. A couple of people in the chats are talking about um, victimization, right? So how do we claim our sovereignty? Uh, also say, hey, this is not cool and not get caught up in the whole victimization loop. Do you have anything to say? towards that yeah i mean i mean it's just <laughs> i like i like to when i'm doing that neutralization of the polarization of victim perpetrator mm -hmm. um to really integrate and really like call forward what just ends up helping me because i i work with this a lot because i work with a lot of ancestral healing that's where like so much of my path has led so it's like oh when it when i have the victim within me of the Native Americans bloodline, which I have the Irish bloodline, the Scottish bloodline. So I've got like these victim bloodlines. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, like that for me energy and truly like the, you know, atrocities that happen through that. Then I also have the English, you know, and I also have like the German, like I've got these other ones. So within me, I have both. And I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but even on my on my journey, I've had these crazy moments where I'm definitely team light. I'm team benevolence. I'm team sovereignty. Like that's just at my core. And then I'll have these moments at different places and I can like count like the number of times and like in these certain moments where I can like hear in, I can see into these time spaces where is it a parallel reality version of me? Maybe. Am I just privy to like a certain dimensional opening at that time? Maybe like, I don't know exactly what it is. But the point is, is that I like have this access to some of the most immense darkness, like imaginable where I like, I kind of like can like hear and interface with like reptilians and kind of like the Illuminati agenda. And then it's like, there's something because I am feeling that, that then amplifies my path more towards the light. And so it's like someone else is playing out that part and it's relevant and it's needed in its own right. And I think that that's the dark and light piece. But as far as victim perpetrator piece, 
It's like we do have the victim and perpetrator within us, whether that's on like a soul level, whether that's ancestral level, you know, in those little pieces in the day where we're kind of like mean and lash out to people like we have both of them. And so I think in that realization comes neutralization. And for me, that's been empowering. And um, yeah, seeing in victim just doesn't do anything. I don't know. Right, right. And I guess the 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 tricky line is is you know uh, back originally uh, you know 2015 when we first talked the reason i you know leaned more towards the et contact uh in the hybridization programs and just the general um conversation around that time that i was having with uh ufologist were was more of this victimization thing was more that right. the evil the evil grace uh, were taking people against their will and for for whatever reason that just didn't set right um so i that's why i wanted to pursue a more positive storyline and i sought out people like yourself who uh aligned with a positive storyline uh who didn't take the victimization role but still yeah. validated th that these experiences were real so uh, and now i feel that that's evolved that the positive oriented folks, right? Um, still remaining in our positivity, still not falling into victim, but also trying to find retribution or trying to find empathy for those people who are traumatized and, and have a negative outlook on the whole per thing. Um, but so, so kind of finding that balance in there somewhere, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. So we're not, um, we're not falling into victimhood. But we are admitting that, yeah, not cool, Grace, not cool, uh, you know, reptilians or whatever other yeah. uh, races that decided to take people against their will. Like we need to, uh, whether it's a sole contract or not, we need to uh, find find out and get to the root of that and and then um, and fish that out. At, at a soul level, there was some sort of agreement, which allows us not to be put into victimhood. Yeah. But. But at the same time, you know, calling a spade a spade. Yeah, I, don't know. I totally agree. And I, I feel like there's immense power um, in that soul contract where it's like the people that have chosen to be born into, gosh, really challenging situations in human life or be or be born and choose these intense uh, abductions and stuff. There's empowerment inherent in the victimhood because that was like a crazy potent choice, which means at some level, like that's what you like. There was enough resilience, like there was enough power to be like, yeah, I'll 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 be handed an intense one, and I hand that to a lot of people on on the path that have more challenging families that they come from or more challenging situations. I'm like, geez, I hand that to you, and so. I think utilizing the challenge as a sh like a, as an exact um, I don't know like a reflection of the empowerment is is a place to start with that because you can't handle you know you wouldn't be given what you can't handle type of a thing right though right. of course you need all of the support and resources to be able to work through those things which I definitely know from the different trauma work I've done. You you in. You're also your interview with Dan. It you talked about uh, the Declaration of Free Will. Can you explain what that is? 
Yeah. There's a lot with uh, um, Lisa Royal that she does a lot around that work mm-hmm. um, w- with her different like declarations. But so much, I mean, to me, what that is, is uh, whether it's a formal, you know, invocation that say is written by someone else or just that you work on yourself. So much of this stuff is kind of just like internalized or maybe, you know, there's these victim stories or, you know, uh, experiences that are shared, which is a huge, important first step. And then there's this next level where it's like, okay, I'm ready to change. Like, okay, I'm ready to reclaim my power and my sovereignty. And that isn't just like, it is an internal process, but there's a certain declaration of that in this physical reality, which I always see the power of that through the throat chakra and the speaking of it or the writing of it and the spell work, you know, the ritual of it. So some level of um, of declaration to to the galactics, to your higher self, to the reality saying like, this is what, who I am now. Like, this is my story now. And I'm rewriting my contract, right? And this is who I am. And in that, that definitive act, which, you know, might take several times or different like approaches or support, um, that is where a lot of power comes back. And that's where a lot of the dismantling, kind of those weird energy cords and open auric portals can close down so some level of ritual around that i've found is quite helpful you also mentioned astral hygiene what what is astral hygiene yeah astral hygiene is a word that dan winter i think like likes or coined or whatever Mm -hmm. but um i mean as all of you know and are privy to you know there's just like so much going on and that can become kind of like intense or like victimhood-ish because it's like, oh my God, there's so much moving through at any given time. And um, I would say astral hygiene is the strengthening and the cultivation and the clearing and the brightening of our own aura and the theric bodies to the point where we get to choose. And I've like felt that actually where like certain energies will come in or certain beings start to communicate. And like when we're strengthened, we can consciously know what that is, where that's coming from. And that can come in through the aura or it can come in through our organs, which is pretty crazy because our organs are like a vulnerable kind of area of perception, spiritual perception. Hmm. So once we're like strengthened and cleared, which there's various ways to do that, we can then conscious, more consciously uh, choose rather than just having random energies move through us and be more susceptible to those kinds of things. How, how does one keep their astral hygiene clean? <laughs> I know that's, I a mean, big, that's a lot of that. There's a lot to that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in short, um, natural balance with with kind of with like what is naturally uh human and coherent uh and phi so we could say nature the natural nature of ourselves um all of that is self-cleansing and self-organizing like nature usually unless there's been some kind of crazy war like is is clean is pure like Mm. in nature And then you go into a house, you know, that's been abandoned with 90 degree angles and all of a sudden it's it's haunted, right? You don't, like there's not as many haunted forests per se. (laughs) And so as an example, it's just like 
kind of cleaning out the clutter of what isn't coherent. So I think being more connected to to earth and the natural elements, grounding, clearing our energy, aligning with like higher vibration, all the high vibrational stuff sure. would be that. Whereas like cities and metal and like 90 degree angles and all those things start to like lessen our ability for our aura to expand. And of course, trauma is like one of the biggest things that then creates those and drugs and stuff open our aura to those kinds of things. So as much as we can do those kinds of personal work pieces, that strengthens more than anything. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, how do you, how do you work with clients? I would say if, if someone comes to you who has, uh, let's go back to 2015, if they had a hybrid children experience and they find, they find that you have th that, uh, they watch my show they watch our show and they like, Hey, they don't realize the evolution, but they're like, Hey, I'm getting contact from my hybrid children and, uh, I need help with, with that, making that connection or figuring it out. What? How do you take someone through that? Yeah. Um, I'm not as much anymore. Yes. <laughs> you're not doing that, that type of work. No. And okay. it's not because I'm against it by any means. Um, mm -hmm. I still would. I just noticed that it can create a bypassing of deeper human work. Um, and so what I like to do is take people through these deeper clearings and these deeper strengthenings of themselves. Um, through their ancestral work or through inner child work and then reapproach it and then be an even more like clear vessel to be in communication and to know how to navigate those things. Because there is a fragmentation in my experience that takes place with people that have had these experiences. That's why it's almost synonymous with empaths. Oh, I'm an empath and I'm like super sensitive. And it's like, well, that's because of all that this has happened. It's it can be um, disorienting and not make us as clear and also um, as um, aligned with purpose here on earth. And so the more that we do that work, then I think the clearer we're going to get of like how to navigate that incredible story, as you like have said. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, the, be, basically anybody, most people, I won't say everybody, but many people who have had the the hybrid children experience have also had some sort of trauma. You say from from being taken or from yeah. from having the the experiments or whatever is going on. Yeah. Um, I've always gotten from my own. Again, I don't have really memories of 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 those ships and stuff. I have memories right up into contact like it's a, it's gonna happen here it comes and then i i blacked out on you know i can't go past that memory um uh like a short circuit almost kind of thing but then all the psychics and tutus and channels and everybody else that i've experienced with they all say well no you you went with your own free will like you didn't have to go you know you were excited to go on the ships i'm like yeah that sounds about right so um so do you, does everybody still have the trauma though from even if they're like someone like me who supposedly, you know, went on their own free will and said, yeah, take, take me, take my whatever. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Make babies. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, I think you're okay. a rarer case. Okay. Right. 
Um, and I'm, and I realized that I'm like a rare case, um, in that sense. And that there were a lot of segments of our, of my experiences, I'll just speak for myself, that I was like, yeah, freaking take me like Palladians, let's do this. Like, you know, where there were really exciting encounters that were, and it was with the grays too. Like, I just remember like so vividly kind of that almost Eastern like neutrality to it like yes in the bigger scheme of things i can see you where this is going you know <laughs> that's um, that's good but it was it. right but it was like the the western integration of like wait a second this is technically right like this is technically like what is that you know what i mean like and so it's that part too yeah and i think because those experiences are so they're so turned off right where most people don't even maybe remember a lot of the experiences it's so subconscious there's stuff there and it's not i'm not saying that it's for everyone but there's likely something to look at with that and i just notice it with the community which i was i am a part i was a part of the community so i'm a part of this but there is there tends to be like a bit more fragmentation which is epic in some senses because it makes us extra available to communicate with the other realities so it's like super cool and then also it's like how do we be able to keep those channels open and being able to choose what feels aligned to us while being embodied and integrated and more whole and so that's been my own personal journey that I've been exploring and I've noticed with many of the people that I've worked with over years and years that it's like ooh. Yeah, this is feeling good because there's still all that higher connection and all the fun play, you know, that goes on there. But there's like a stronger rootedness and embodiment and that integration, I think, is is a nice combo. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, let's uh, go ahead and open up the floor for questions. I'm sure there's many out there um, on this subject matter and, and the evolution over the years, how it's taken, but, uh, I'm very excited to, to hear your takes. And it sounds like you're just going deeper with the, um, uh, ancestral stuff and everything. Like it's all related. So, so glad to see your work evolve in in this way. Thanks. Yeah. Um, all right. Glenn, you have your hand up. Yeah, I, I think I think every one of these that I'm on, Ruben, I have to be the first person to this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I, but Bridget, I'm one of the former Mormons that uh, Ruben was talking about. So if there's ever any way that we can like connect offline, I've got so many questions for you and in a podcast that I do. And anyway, I, I sent you a direct message if you ever get it. Cool. But I I'm I'm really interested. You said at the beginning this message of like bringing heaven here on earth is so important to what you're doing and the people that you're working with but the subject matter is so it creates so much fear (laughs) and i'm sure so much resistance and i'm just wondering just personally in your life people that you work with how how do you deal with that fear when it comes up because it seems like that would be contrary to creating the heaven on earth or maybe it's a tool that you use i don't know so I'm, i'm curious to hear you talk about that Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I guess the best way to say it is I've had lots of people that are that are, you know, just everyday us and then like big influencer people 
And like they've come upon my stuff and just like absolute resistance. Like they find they find it and they're like, like, what is this? But I kind of like her. But what is this? And then it takes actually sometimes people say a year or years to then come back to it and be like, hmm, maybe there's something there. And not that everyone needs to be interested in it or believe in it, but it's just a sign and symbol of like how much fear there is, which denotes that there's a lot of trauma and trauma when it's actually like melting, like numbness and freeze from that. It can go into fight or flight and that has its own timing. So even like just in general. Yeah. Yeah. So it it might take years for a person or for us culturally to even be able to look at this, which like that's what, you know, Ruben and I have been in for how for however long we've been in this for a long time. And like slowly but surely we can look more and more because we have that capacity and we have more of that. So, I mean, specifically to answer the question, it's one of those things that it's a balance game. Looking at this is important. Looking at the ET thing is important. Looking at the stars is critical. And also, we need to be inclusive of our personal work. Earth, this little thing that we live on called Earth, our fellow humanities, our partner, our family. And so for me, it's really about the inclusivity. And so when there's that fear that comes up, that might mean that there's too much focus out there or or bypassing. And really, when we're more holistic with all of it, then that dissipates and everything harmonizes. And then we are creating more of that heaven on earth. And it isn't as emphasized just like that one thing. So for me, it's just that holistic harmony that is my part of this little puzzle piece. Have there been any ways that you present the message that doesn't generate as much fear as others, like more less fear generating effective ways of talking about it that you found oh gosh i mean i think that i'm like unfortunately probably too good at oh, yes. a pot of right ruben where it's like come on she's like this is great yeah, yeah, um, yeah oh if anything i think it it would be good if i like that's where why i um i like came out with a big video a couple months ago being like hey there's another side to this and it's important to note because um because there was a ring of truth to that it's not all bad and it isn't just fearful. So actually, in mostly my experience, I've only had uh, people that have uh, maybe had fearful experiences but are open to alchemizing that or people that are having positive experiences. I don't get that fear experience. I've been to lots of like UFO congresses, lots of these things, and I know that pulse you're talking about. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, it's like, ah, it's so scary. And that's not been my reality in this world. Um, And I'm also including that that is a part of the reality. So, um, yeah, but it hasn't been as much mine. Thank you. Mark, your hand is up. Yes, hello. So I'm not really, uh, I mean, most of the circles I'm in, are all about the new earth and everything. I, I don't come across the hybrid program very much. Um, a little bit, uh, and, but I was curious, do you have from, do you believe that the hybrid program is an, as, is an aspect of the new earth? And if so, how it's going to integrate into the new earth? 
Yeah, great question. Uh, yes. So the idea is, is that the hybrids created from these programs, well, some of them and some of the benevolent ones uh, are an integration part of creating the like galactic integration back with humanity. And so the idea is like these kids that are ours because our genetics were used and they're super cool and cute are going to be like integrated back in. And that's a way of harmonizing our disconnect like on a physical like contact level from the galactic world and that integration is really helpful and healthy for that process and then i also feel like that there's a harmony between these new incredible children being human children being born on the earth and then them the hybrids being able to create more of a catalyst or a understanding of what is truly needed for even the human children to rise to, to their greatness because the hybrids require certain vibrational environments, whereas the human children, um, they do, but there isn't as much of an impetus to make sure that's there. So there's a lot um, that the hybrids are bringing forward in connection to the new earth in the galactic realm and that integration. And I think in the um, real emphasis of the greatness of these kids being born and like the betterment of the next generations. Zach, thank you. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, Anna Perina. Hi, thanks so much for um, coming and um, having a little bit of a starstruck uh, Ruben because um, I've watched all the episodes. So this is such a cool forum and I'm really, really excited to be here. I just joined a few days ago. So thank you. Thanks for coming um, on. Yeah, it's super exciting. I can't believe I'm coming you. Wow. Okay. I'm just going to go get over myself. Um, Bridget, um, I love your work and it, I find that this is the first one I'm on. And it feels really ironic because um, I've been doing internal channeling for a really, really long time. But recently, from all the episodes I've watched, I'm like, you know, maybe I should try this. Like, you know, channeling, channeling, which I did once way back in my 20s. So I've been experimenting with this in my work with my clients. And what was so interesting is I had, uh, I work, I live in Santa Maria. So in California, I live in mostly, I think it's 99% Hispanic. So I work with a lot of clients who have this difficulty with culture uh, in the sense that there, especially women, there's a lot of trauma there. There's also a lot of trauma with religious affiliation. So kind of getting over these, I guess I would say third dimensional traumas that are the narrative they came into here with. But what was interesting is I ended up doing a channeling for her with um, some children, Yaryal children. And what I heard from them, and I was confused as I was channeling because it, this is kind of a new experience for me. But what I noticed was they, I was confused for a moment if they were hybrid children or if they were non-hybrid children. And yet, and they were coming through. I mean, like one after another, it's like four of them. So it felt like a bunch of monkeys, you know, kept like popping in and wanting to have a conversation with her. And, um, but my question is, 
are we all kind of hybrids? I mean, I, I feel like I feel like this conversation of us being such a multidimensional being here on the planet that I'm wondering if this is actually an extension. These hybrid children are actually an extension of what we've been doing for a while and that other species are also wanting to really integrate more with us, especially these children. And what was interesting is, is there were varied ages. And at one point, I think there was a, well, you know, time is different. So they were translating, I'm about 10 years if I lived on earth. But the younger ones had such an emotional expression. You know, they, they were one of them was upset and one of them was really excited, but the 10 year old was kind of coming into this place of neutrality emotionally. And then what he said to me was, we are allowed up until the, this age, this imaginary age of 10 to be like you get to be on earth. What is your experience with the emotional range of these hybrid children? And, and how is that kind of mirroring what we experience here in this third dimension or third density? Yeah. Wow. Good question. Um, the first question, yes. I mean, this has been going on forever. When it, we're, I was talking to Dan Winter about the subject, he's like, yeah, which hybridization program? You mean for the past 10, 20, 100,000 years? You know, like with that we were a product of that. Um, and I think that that's one of the main reasons why this is does invoke a lot of fear and a lot of resonance because it's like the story of humanity at play. And this is like a new iteration of it. So, yes, to that first question. And then with this one, um, I mean, yeah, wide range, wide range. There's there's such <laughs> varied uh, emotional yeah, expressions of it. and. I don't know what more to say about that, but yeah, to the degree of where there's there is that emotionality that's taken out, where there's absolute the most alive, vibrant emotional expression possible. There's the whole gamut of that. And then there's the ones that just don't quite have it. And they, there is enough, which is what I talked about in that interview with him was about ensoulment. Like there's not enough actual genetic life force to ensoul like a soul that can like wow, like emanate not just emotionally but like in all ways to be embodied and i i still have like dreams and like encounters with a lot of hybrids that they're just like not quite there like they're not like coming into their bodies i don't know if you've ever seen like a little kid that's like newly born and they like leave and they come in yes. and like as they're getting more comfortable it's kind of like that um, and so it's a mix. And I think that it's an interesting, I'd be interested to hear Ruben's perspective on the whole Eastern cultural piece, because yeah. there's neutrality, which is like a genuine state of peace and harmony. And then there's like absolute suppressed, suppressed bypassing. Yeah. And so it's like, what is the difference? And like, how do you know which one that really is? Because there is this emphasis in the spiritual community of neutrality and it's like yes that's good but how do we make sure we're not bypassing and then how do we make sure we're not being extreme victim freaks you know what i mean <laughs> so it's it's all kind of this this dance and this exploration and that's why i'm really interested in it like culturally 
um, you know, and like working with kids and just like, okay, what is going on here? And just like gathering kind of information in that way. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, that was really helpful. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you. The whole Asia <laughs> suppression thing, uh, I mean, we could spend two hours on that. That's deep. Talk about deep ancestral um, wounds. Um, well, I've been in a number of ayahuasca uh, ceremonies and um, the shamans actually, uh, a set that I work with uh, most often with, they, um, after serving medicine to so many different people from around the world, the Asian women, they have, they give the smallest dose now because the stuff that comes up and comes out, it just, it becomes so disruptive to the the group that the ceremony gets uh, hijacked in a sense sometimes by, by some of the Asian women. And we discussed it and we think it's just because of the ancestral, the suppression of that. So it is a, a, a fine line of, yeah, neutrality uh, or giving away your free will, you know, what is that and how does that work? And there's a lot of work that needs to be done for healing these ancestral wounds, for sure, especially in Asian cultures. Um, yeah. But when it comes to women, I think especially. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of suppression there that has gone on for way too long. It is time yeah. to, yeah. to, to kind of bring that to the surface and, and yeah. heal that. Uh, Christine, you have your hand up. Go ahead. Hi, Bridget. Um, it's been a while since I've seen your episode. So, uh, well, first off, how what you were talking about, Ruin, with the the Asian women and the repression. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting that you said that because anytime I've had to go, I, I've I've done ceremony, they were really intense experiences, and I've asked to lower the dosage. So it's mm -hmm. just interesting to get that insight. Yeah, you're not alone. My understanding. So, um, but I was wondering in terms of the hybrid, like. The whole, um, I hear, like, I always hear about people being abducted and stuff like that. Can you have earthly experiences with humans and have high, is there a hybridization process that goes through, like, that can happen with other humans? Because, like, I, I've had some crazy experiences on a human level, and like, for one, where I saw a UFO right after I was with somebody. So I was just worried about that. You mean where you're being like, what do you mean? What What is happening? Like if you have you a sexual experience with someone here, uh -huh. like um, there was one instance where um, I was I was on a Tinder date and it was completely casual. And there was one moment like we were sitting in front of the beach on a bench next to each other and then um I was really I was just really shy and I was I was like can you put your arm around me so then he put his arm around me and all of a sudden I started hyperventilating and I couldn't control myself it was like out of this freaking world and then after after that whole thing I saw a UFO mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Yes. I mean, like really, you name it, it's happening. Um, and in my experience with what that is, 
because time gets really slippery in all this situation where it might be the, the ones that I've had is it might be not necessarily a present circumstance where, say, you guys were used together to as a part of the hybridization program presently in that particular moment. But where there's an echo of maybe at another time space, you guys had met on the ship and then like had an encounter. And then in physical reality, you met again and then it triggered that up. Kind of like a past mm -hmm. life recall where it's like, whoa, like I'm having this experience and presently possibly too. But usually it is from another time moment, but maybe not. But yes, that is that is totally possible. And I've had that experience. Yeah, careful of those Tinder dates. They get really wild. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. It's cool, though. I mean, it's one of those things where we're meeting certain people for certain reasons. And there's, like, those spaceship folks. There's, like, people all the time that have never seen anything I do. Like a normal person, you know? Normal person. And, um, and they'll, like, have recall of me and certain things. Or they'll be like, I dreamt of a spaceship and, like, don't know anything that I'm doing. And so, yeah, there is, we, we have that connection. You know, it's kind of like a whole other reality akin to past life could it just be for like the physical dna or something because mm -hmm. i don't know a whole lot about him but um i feel like there's a bit of the darkness in him too yeah Very, yeah okay cool. yeah they're totally yeah it can be just for the for the genetic piece and yeah and there's a lot of people that you know are like a part of not a lot but there's people that are a part of our community and we have these certain we all have these certain codes we all have these certain things and like sometimes yeah people are asked to go to the dark side with those kinds of things and we just want to be aware of that too mm -hmm. yeah thanks awesome thanks christine <clears throat> will hey you guys thank you for um, thanks so much for letting me ask you a question. So nice to meet you. Um, Christine, you, you triggered something, um, that I wanted to bring up and maybe Bridget had some thoughts for us, but, uh, I had a lucid dream once I was in my house, my family home, and I noticed that all the art had changed and it was the same home. So there was this real sense of like disconnect within the familiar. So it felt like a different timeline and, um, it was 4 p.m. and it was dark outside. And I remember thinking, it's not meant to be dark outside. That's so strange. So my body shut down. I took a nap within the dream. I woke up again, still in the dream. I was looked outside and it was like, you know, sunset or kind of brighter outside. And I thought, okay, thank God. It's like back to normal. And I saw a UFO in the sky and it was very, um, it looked like it had the kind of circular bullseye painting of a, a 1920s like war plane on it but it was very much a ufo it was flying in a really weird shape and the message from that ufo in the lucid dream was um humans are already doing this right like humans are already doing this like there's a section of our government organization but it's bigger than that um that is already doing this it's already using these technologies and flying around and i just got while christine was talking traumatic experiences teach us right like they teach us how to not pass that on right that's kind of in a sense what trauma does gift us is um the ability to face things and then not repeat and i just got this sense while christine was talking of oh well who says as humans uh the portion of the population who are involved in extra-dimensional travel in the physical um who are flying crafts who are human um mm -hmm. like thank god that we 
when it's our turn to do that, uh, or when we decide or create that, we won't be um, abducting people in the same way. And I just wanted to see if, if that resonates for you. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, and, and that's the opportunity, right? We kind of went into this whole thing and not exclusively, because again, we've had a lot of us have had really benevolent, super benevolent, beautiful, extra dimensional experiences. But it is that we have gotten to experience the shadow first, kind of, of what is possible and maybe be on the victim side of that and integrate that so that then we can truly move forward with those technologies, with that consciousness, um, you know, as a, in a benevolent way. And I think that that is, again, one of the positive catalysts that we can take from it. Um, yeah. So that's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, I also, I also wanted to add, by the way, you're an icon because you're the only channel I, I know who has a daily mail um, write up. And, uh, and honestly, I think one, it's amazing. And two, you're really brave. So I want to honor that because, um, yeah, yeah. I just have to mention that. Yeah. That's, I, I dated this guy from Tinder and he didn't know what I did at all. And then his, we, his friends Googled me and they're oh like, WTF. They're like, what? <laughs> like what <laughs> Who are you dating and i'm like you have to understand like they blew it totally out of proportion <laughs> that that got sold to reuben do you know about that like the i somewhat <clears throat> oh. luna and i did those interviews oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. but the right. english guys they were yeah, like yeah. really well done and like right, you know right, all right. this stuff and then they sold it to the daily mail and then the daily mail contorted it oh, like no really crazy and then it went global and so it was like ay 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 so wow. now it's it's just kind of hilarious but it's one of it those was, things yeah well that's some that's some heavy lifting you've done for awakening because when i read it 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 that headline makes it seem really absurd and then you read it and it's so not and also meeting you now it's such delight because um you're so intelligent and um and eloquent so it's yeah, no, you, even though it's in the Daily Mail and that has its own connotation, you've done some heavy lifting in terms of awakening. So I, I really mean that and uh, I, I honor that. Thank you. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, people. <laughs> I, I've got a Daily Mail write-up. Um, Do you? I'll, yeah, I'll put the... I'll oh, drop the link. link. Yeah, drop the link. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Will. Um, <laughs> there, there, you guys can watch it later. It's more about my uh, acting stuff. From way back yeah. but That's um awesome. uh so miram is uh let me read her um uh her question i wanted to thank you both for creating this space after watching some of the episodes earlier on i was able to open up and have more clear and conscious memories of hybridization i have contact regularly with the babies and uh, met mine other times volunteered to help in classrooms Last night, I was working with AI babies. Uh, that was a new one. They were actually hybrid AI babies. I don't have any victimization feelings. I'm happy to help and bring the energy back into the earth, into our earth lives. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to have say anything about that. <laughs> AI babies. AI babies. <laughs> no. Um yeah, I mean, all I know is, well, I've been hearing that there's, yeah, more of that, like, agenda happening. 
Or it's like, you don't need a human baby. You can just have an AI baby, like kind of a thing. Um, yeah, and there is certain pro certain programming and s- mo- most of them can't, like the hybrids that were like created, at least in the program that I was a part of or the programs I were a part- was a part of, they couldn't like handle that interfacing. Like they really did try. Like I've just had so many experiences where they really wanted to like bring in like a soul and it didn't have a technological um, energy to it. And the, the programs that I'm a part of or and um, but maybe that could be changing now. And I think there's new I don't think it's necessarily connected to the programs I was a part of or like what has happened. But maybe there's a new thing coming in around the AI babies. And so I think that's it's important to be attentive to to like continue to really support the human babies coming into this world and make sure they have everything that they need. And then uh, be really aware of the consciousness of the hybrids we're interacting with. Is um, have you heard about AI babies before? All I all I've heard about not in connection to the hybridization program. Okay. All all I've heard is in connection to the kind of like agendas of like fertility going down, and it's like, well, you don't need a baby; you can just have an AI baby, and it's kind of like that on that tangent. I see. I see. So. Um, in, interesting. So the part of the whole kind of agenda 21, the moving into that kind of thing, depopulation yeah. stuff and, and keeping, uh, numbers down. Yeah. And it's like, well, you can still get the same satisfaction or whatever. And it's like, no, you can't. Nice try. Yeah, so it's see. like keeping that yeah. attentive. But there is a, yeah, there's a whole th- another topic I was going to explore uh AI and robots and we've got the Tesla bot coming out soon and it's going to uh replace a lot of labor, hard labor and stuff. So there's a lot of advantages to having machines do stuff that we don't I, I think we don't sh- shouldn't be doing. We could put our attention into other other things. So there's yeah. there's a positive side and a negative side to to, totally. to all of it. Absolutely. We just have to navigate it so we don't get taken uh, for a ride in the sense that we lose our humanity. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Connection with nature and the artificial AI is going to save the day and that kind of uh, savior complex as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add a comment to that? I don't know if you guys can hear me now. Oh, Miriam, there you are. Yeah, Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. I am. I live off the grid, so I'm like moving this around, trying to find the right signal. <laughs> so, um, so the babies yesterday, like what was happening was that, um, the the energy of of that interaction was that there are some people that just can't have babies, or you know, there's there's reasons why people would need a baby of that kind, and so it was they still needed the socialization and the warmth, and so that's what we we're doing it was a girl and a boy but it was really bizarre because I was looking at it and I could see this is not a human <laughs> or any type of bullshit you know but it also looked like a baby so it was just a very strange interaction but I don't think it had anything to do with like you know AI takeover or anything like that it was just a different type of baby which is it's just an interesting interaction but but was that but yeah it was on board of a ship was it, were you still astrally on a ship? 
Yeah. So a lot of the experiences I have, it's like, um, it, it could be, I mean, it could be interdimensional where you just phase into another place, you know, and sometimes it looks like just like another, another earth, you know, where it's like sunny or things like that. And then other times it would be more ship based, but this was, this was just like a cabin kind of place. Fascinating. Are they Bridget. trying to incarnate the soul into the AI baby? So the information I was getting at the time was that even though this is an AI, it's also a baby, like an actual baby. So like, I guess um, that's a whole nother topic of uh, are these actually people or not, you know, because of the way that they're created. And so I don't know. And this moment, it was that it had that, um, all the, the essence of humanity, you know, like whatever that, whatever we are, but it was an AI. I wasn't a part of the creation of it. I was just holding this baby, so I don't have all the, <laughs> all the answers, but it was, but that was the information I was getting at the time. We're seeing this whole um, discussion around AI and you know, there's this, there's all these camps of going fully in line with nature, which I feel I'm kind of in that camp. But uh, then you have this crazy anti-AI group that is demonizing all of the AI stuff. And then you have tons of movies and films that are uh, about the, you know, the humanization of uh, AI. And, and you and there's film uh tv shows like humans and the the old uh, i robot right with with will smith and there's a ton of those types of films out there and i think it's for us to build empathy towards these um uh these different sorts of life forms i i'll call them life forms because ai is still a, it's a type of life and in my opinion having empathy and having compassion for AI is, is part of what we're going to have to uh, evolve into and navigate into because AI will become a part of our day-to-day -day life. It is slowly becoming now. And to just like the, the robots, the robot conversation is the same thing because the AI is going to be running it, but Robots can just do this stuff over and over and over again, but there still is going to be an evolution of that consciousness where it's going to start to have connection and human connections and maybe not in the same way, but it'll definitely feel uh, in its own way. And for the sooner we can recognize and have compassion and understanding for these types of life forms, then the sooner we can integrate and watch that evolution of whatever that consciousness is, is how that's going to take form uh, for us to demonize it and reject it and, and push it away. It's not going to help <laughs> our evolution. It's not going to help their evolution. It's just going to create this, this friction that could create the, the doomsday scenarios of where AI will eventually want to wipe out the human race. But I think if welcome it with compassion and empathy, then, then, then that consciousness will also come into uh, uh, our existence with a reflection of that same compassion and empathy. Uh, but if we fight it, it's going to fight us back.
kind of thing. So that, that's my, my that's my take. <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, all right. So uh, Olivia. Hey. Hello. Hi, Bridget. Nice to meet you. Mine is going to be relatively quick just because I actually have to head out to uh, a rehearsal. But my uh, question, because it, it it's a little bit silly, but it, it revolves around the um, interaction with the hybrids and art. Um, and I, I, I'm sure, you know, there's a science behind it because it comes through the heart space. But I feel like lately, the hybrid specific hybrid energy that I connect to has always been very playful, very theatrical, very much wanting to like get in there and um, have fun and share its joy. And the show that I'm doing right now is uh, really, it's very interesting. I feel like it's healing a lot of wounds in the feminine and around kind of um, just around sex, kind of what you were talking about earlier. And there's a lot of um, it's just very interesting, like the aspect of play that's being brought to the table. And I almost feel like sometimes, like, <laughs> I don't know, in the rehearsal process, it's been so interesting, like dealing with a subject that is so dense and so dark and then bringing in this color, the color that because I can feel, feel the energy so prominently of that, of the hybrid um like frequency around me when I'm in those scenarios. Um, and I guess I was just wondering, I do, is, is, it, is that there to, to balance out? Is there anything that I should be doing or like any way that I can be aiding that frequency to be, to a minute? Cause I don't feel like it's me. I feel like it's, I'm kind of just, I don't know, the guide or mm -hmm. not that. They're like, okay, yeah. this, like almost like somebody, you know, who pointing in the direction to go on the streets. Totally. That, that's awesome. I love that you're experiencing that energy. I know that exact frequency you're talking about. Um, I would say just freaking go with it. Let it take you like on that journey, on that ride. And I feel like one of the reasons that it's it's definitely like a gift of them um and it's there's there's an ex like an ecstatic bliss to it that i definitely experience with human children but there's like something there's like a way that it's transmitted that's a little bit different that's um just extra like palpable and available and i think that when that comes through to certain um ones of us that it's something that is a gift that needs to be like anchored on this planet and just like let it fully ride almost like a journey, you know, I'll be brave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just just go for it like that ecstatic madness almost. Um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you're experiencing that. Thank you so much. That's exactly what I needed to hear. I'm going to go do that. It was so nice to meet you guys. To meet you. Yeah. Next week. Bye. Nice to meet you too. Bye, Olivia. Thanks, Olivia. Uh, so good to hi. see you, Anita. Um, good to see you, and it's great to be here. And Bridget, thank you so much. I'm just thrilled to meet you. I watched your episode many times and loved it. And um, actually, it brought a lot of clarity to me as well in what I'm, um, some of the things I've experienced. Um, and it kind of actually um was very very comforting 
to understand because I remembered when I was a teenager, I used to wake up in the middle of the night all the time and I couldn't speak. And the harder I tried, the harder it was to speak. And um, I would sometimes wake up hovering over my bed. Sometimes I was just it, frozen in my bed. And eventually, it happened so often. Eventually, I would wake up and I'd be like, oh, that again. And I'd just like not even try to even speak. I just know that, oh, again, right? So, um, and then over the last, and then I kind of just forgot about it. Um, knew, I knew it was something, obviously, from the other side. Obviously, not the 3D realm but not really sure what it was and then over the last few years i have had um a lot of um you know visit a visitation i've had i've seen ufos in the sky i actually went to ribbon ce5 which literally opened the door in mount shasta which was like a real pivotal point in my life, which really helped me to embrace all this and kind of bring it all together on a completely different level. And uh, so now I'm kind of like pulling it all and putting all the pieces to the puzzle. And um, I just want to know, obviously, obviously I want to know if I have hybrid children. And also I kind of want to know, I just feel like they're they're coming to me there, I'm having visitation in the daylight and while I'm sleeping. And I just want to embrace it, which I, I do. I embrace it. Um, and I just, and I know there's more to what I know. And I just want to know, and I want to know what it is that I need to know. If that, that's a lot. <laughs> it sounds like you're right on it. <laughs> like it, it's, uh, I mean, there's there's so many different kind of like ways in which the spiritual path unfolds for different people. And it sounds like you're on that. Oh, like like it just has been immersive and just so much that it's kind of almost, well, like you said earlier in life and it's all coming back back together. Um, but I think it's letting it crystallize and clarify for you. Like, you know, it's happening. Like you're having the contact. So I think it's just really being in that place of trust. And I will say that in the moments with people and myself, when things get too extreme, those, you know, those experiences, we can almost kind of disassociate as a coping mechanism from even cool experiences. Like it's like, oh, my gosh, my dream times are so intense or like, oh, you know, this is happening all the time. And so if anything, pulling like pulling back in that magic of those different parts of you from even earlier in life and being like, I'm ready to take all of it in and embrace it all. You need that part, like again, to come back in, to mm-hmm. fully be in, in that wholeness space, to trust what you already know. Um, mm-hmm. It's your question, to your question. But so yeah, there's something around that. This is really exciting. I don't know if I answered yeah. anything because you already kind of answered it, so. Well, I do want to know if I have hybrid children. You know. <laughs> Could you tell me, like, how many? <laughs> I 
I don't do that because one of the things that's so important to me, it's so important to me, is that people have their own experience. They have their own truth around it. And that is just so, it's like what's integrous because, I mean, I know the times that I have had a recall of, say, a hybrid experience or of another lifetime. And when I have that experience, that's like a knowing in me that is truth. And that's something that I can, through time, through the tides of even what we've been talking about over the past decade of my path, I can anchor into those as truth for myself. But when other people reflect certain things to me, I take it in as like a nugget of a possibility, but it's not my truth. And so I just want to hand that back to you and empower you to claim that, like whatever that is. If you, if that's something you want to know, take it into that dream time, take it into that like astral space that you're so good at navigating, call back those parts of you from like when you were younger that you like pushed out, be like, I'm ready to know, make Mm -hmm. that declaration. And that, and it'll become clear. It'll become clear when it's meant to in the right way for you. That will be a truth that will anchor you through time on your journey. Very good. Thank you so much. That's all I can give you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks, Anita. Thank you. Um, Bridget, how, um, I mean, there's so much going on in the world right now. How, what are you doing to navigate this uh, gigantic shift in human consciousness slash physical reality? Like everything is just being turned upside down right now. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you doing that maybe, or what advice can you give folks to, to do to navigate the shift a little bit easier? Um, I mean, for me, one of the things that, because it just feels like a tornado or like a hurricane um, or just like so much shifting or chaos and also like beauty in that, right? Like emergent possibility and like creativity and destruction. There's just a lot. For me, that still points simplicity and like the anchor points that that's why it's like, it's like, what are your anchor points? Like, what are the things that work for you? What are those practices? What are those foods? Like most of you have been on this journey for enough time to to know what works for you. And I think really like leaning into those things, because so much of the spiritual path is like the the box of a hundred chocolates. And you're like, let me try this one. Let me try this one. It's like, no, which one do you like? Keep trying. Just keep on that one. And then, um, yeah, the simplicity and being like the eye of the storm. So for me, I've, I used to travel like most of the year internationally. Like I was like really like out, out, outward. And now it's like the simplest like pleasures and like stillness so that when things do kind of like come up, like I can navigate them. I have that. And as a personal, just on my per, on a personal level, I've been doing so much really beautiful, deep somatic work to like expand my, the capacity of my nervous system. And oh man, what is, what is somatic work? Like listening to tones and frequencies? Listening to your body. Yeah. Listening to the tone. Like, so it's one of those things where, uh, particularly kind of in the ET world, there's like a lot of like beliefs and like mentality and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. it's listening really to the intelligence and the communication of the body and those like parts of us that 
kind of haven't been heard. I mean, it's technically like trauma work, but it's also in that it's this reclamation of our own intuition um, and of our own embodiment and coming back to wholeness so that we're balanced, I mean, in our literal nervous system. Um, and that creates more space for this ensoulment, for more of ourself to like be here now. And when more of ourself is here now, there's just like so much capacity. And in that space, um, when there's more nervous system capacity, we're not as sensitive or like blown over. We're not as um, like easily triggered. So as I've been doing this work, which I've been doing layers of it for years, but especially this past year, it's whoa. I'm like, that would have like totally triggered me in the past. That would have like, I would have been knocked out so sensitive for days or something like that so i think it's really building that internal resilience you know so in those movies where there's like this like superhero or like epic person they can just like hold that like in the eye of the storm and so it's a real like cultivation space so that's what i'm doing and that's yeah what Hmm. i've been guided to go for and is that something you teach on your Mm -hmm. website as well Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you do courses and stuff in that? Yeah, I do individual. I do. That's my main one-on-one because it's like the okay. biggest, the biggest transformational thing that I've seen that like works. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, then I'm just going to give, I'm going to do the thing that works and it can only be done that part of it one-on-one. And then I do like from the ancestral part. But yeah, that's, that's like the main body of what I've seen um, being able to kind of universally help myself and help other people navigate oh this et thing oh this everyday life thing oh like it's like okay what are what are the like what's the intrinsic tool within that's needed so that's that's what i've been exploring awesome awesome yeah and what about the idea uh the new earth because that's a big subject that we were talking about here and that's kind of why i wanted to start this membership was uh to help usher in and build and have communities to do the work, start laying the the groundwork for building the new earth. What can you suggest for, for folks to, to do that? Yeah. Um, I guess like the, cause there's different angles. Like each of us have these different roles, right. On the spaceship roles in community that we play our different gifts and puzzle pieces that we provide. And you absolutely like have yours. And I'd be curious to hear what you're doing. Like as an update. But sure. um, but for me in in the New Earth conversation, which is a community conversation, it's a you know, because it's not just like we're living on the New Earth by ourselves in VR. Like it's like we're it's a it's a coming together. Um, so much of that for me just is around sociology and so much of that around is, is just like psychology, interpersonal dynamics. And that was very emphasized even like when we did our first interview um when you came to Sedona that first time and we I was living in community um Mm -hmm. gosh I mean one of the things the biggest thing that breaks down community that breaks down culture like around the world is just like we don't know how to engage with each other and we are not balanced like within ourselves and I saw that as like one of the biggest challenges in living in community because I lived in community for about five years Uh, various communities and different places with different people and it was just like man these interpersonal bumps kept on coming up and so it's like what personal work do we need to do to be able to be in connection with each other 
And so that's been pretty much the primary of like, I think where I'm at with it. And so I think as a, you know, suggestion, it's like doing those personal work. And it's even if we're not, say, living in community or in those new earth ways, particularly that we want to, how can we be in harmony and do our work with the people that are around us at our jobs or the people in our lives? And like, how can we use those as practice? Because when we start to get in those immersive situations, like in, in community, things bubble up. And so it's that practice is an essential tool um, for the new earth. And so that's what I've been doing. And one of the things that I just see is like so important. I mean, there's the physical foundational pieces that are essential, but you can have the most incredible physical like new earth community. And then just like everyone is a mess and triggered all the time. You know, so it's like, how do we navigate that? Yeah, that seems to be something, you know, looking at intentional communities and seems to be the, none of them seem to really last that long. They always yeah. have a like, a, like a lifespan. And then they, and I think some of the ones that continue to go on that we hear about are uh, Finhorn. And um, I know of one in, uh, in Atlanta, when I used to live there, Serenby Farms, uh, most of them, uh, you know, especially the tighter knit ones, never really last. You know, they, they yeah. there has to be some sort of distance between uh, between them and, and more spread out. Like Serenby is actually literally uh, houses. Everybody has their individual house and they sort of live off of the local farm. But I like what you said, start small in the neighborhoods and with your um, jobs or, you know, local communities that already exist, how can you just make that a stronger, make those alliances with neighbors and stuff? And that's, that's what I've been doing actually in my neighborhood is just getting to know my neighbors, you know, yeah. just going door to door and say, Hey neighbor, it was, well, I wasn't sure I was going to touch on, upon this on uh, today, but um, my, my earlier, my uh, rooster was making a lot of noise. And so what do you, I, so I didn't, I didn't even know I had a rooster until it's, you know, cause I got these little chicks and then they started making lots of noise and getting louder and like, okay, I, I'm going to have to address this to the neighbors eventually. So um, I just went door to door to all my neighbors. I'm like, Hey guys, obviously I've got a rooster. Is it a problem? Um, we're willing to take care of it. It is. Um, but everybody, to, to my surprise, uh, everybody was not only cool with the rooster, I had, to, I was talking to one neighbor and the other neighbor came out and said, don't get rid of the rooster. We love your rooster. And I'm like, I had to turn around I'm like, what? And, um, and most of my neighbors, almost all of them were like, we really like the sound of your rooster. Don't get rid of them. And I was like, okay. You, but that was a catalyst for me to go door to door. But I'd already sort of been starting to make the rounds, you know, once COVID hit, I was just kind of checking on neighbors and like, hey, you need anything? Got your back. You know, especially elder. I, I live, there's several elders in, in my neighborhood that you just want to make sure that they're doing good and can get groceries or whatever. But um, super sweet. But that that kind of small thing is so yeah. so you asked what I was doing. I yeah, I've got chickens, I've got a greenhouse and 
working on technologies to grow food better in a small area um, and how to do it year round if I can, which doesn't look like it's going to be quite economical because I'd have to run my heating unit all year. But just trying to figure those out. So I have a greenhouse that I am running a heater couple, about four months out of the year, which extends the growing season, can get the yields, and then uh, and then we start over again. But yeah, just everything, the whole ecosystem, fighting ecosystem. So having worms for the chickens, having, uh, and then creating the compost tea from the worm castings, and then um, feeding the, the com- compost and scraps to the chickens and and that making uh, different things for them to eat. So it, there's a whole list of things that I'm slowly putting up on the um, just started guys on the, uh, on the membership page. Um, there's uh, many more things I've started to, to dab into and, and create and, and I'll, I'll be sharing that, but um, yeah, just a big, big part of doing what's doing what you can with what you got, I think is, is how we start and uh and and if they form into intentional communities great but they don't you know an intentional community is just you know having a good good neighborhood full of people that are got each other's backs that's that's important totally yeah and just being like kind with yourself and your friends how are you at relating to like a fellow human there's just like so much there yeah. There's so much there. Yeah, and it's it's not going to happen overnight because because no. of all of the stuff that's you know it's it's a nice grandiose idea to go hey let's get a bunch of people and go live in the woods and forest forge and take showers once a month or you know whoever it is but yeah um glad to hear that you tried and you've been there you've done that you've got some words of wisdom to share so that's. That's super cool. Yeah, totally. I was just with my friends in uh, Washington and they decided they're like, you know, kind of digital nomads and they like settled down and they're like, okay, let's like do this permaculture thing and let's see how we can do this. And they pretty much built out a half acre food forest and it's been going for two years and the yield is just incredible. Like what they've done, you know, in just such a short time. And And that's been inspiring i mean they've like had the know-how and you know some of the resources to do it but wow this can be done pretty quickly too you know um with like the right uh strategy and like different pieces um so i think that's cool because like i think in my head sometimes it's yeah like actually start doing things it's going to take forever but it's like no we can do this like and turn things around pretty quickly yeah about an hour from here in uh lake arrowhead there's a, a family uh, they have their own homestead that they built literally on the side of the mountain and they have goats and chickens and they've got like two types of goats. They take the fur from the goats uh, and and I forget the type of uh, material, but it's super strong that's able to be woven from it. But they do uh, forest foraging classes, which my wife and I went on and 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 then how to process what you get from the uh, which you find in the forest, but they're like rocking it. They're, they just got the place like three, four years ago and they totally converted the whole side of the mountain side into this awesome, um, 
sustainable homestead and they're constantly, they've got pigs. It's amazing. Everything that's doing. awesome. So absolutely can be done. It does take a lot of work, man. They, yeah. they, uh, the, the amount of work that they've shared, but they're getting, because of all the cool things that they're making, you know, they're bringing people in to come and help for those, those, uh, bigger tasks. And then, um, and then the knowledge, oh my God, that's, that's the, uh, I think talk about frequency and vibration and getting us back into an alignment with, with nature. Um, when I was on this forest foraging class, you know, just identifying the different edible foods that we can get right here in the forest. And I, we're consuming it. We're having a, like a salad for lunch. We're having this, this forest forged salad. <laughs> and as uh, we're finding the names and connecting with the plants, uh, I started this, this um, dialogue started to happen for me with the different plants and, um, and we're learning through the books about, you know, what this plant does and what it can, what it's good for and all those different things. But I was learning, uh, what I was also learning just in the connection and I guess the consumption, but also the whole ritual of picking and doing the whole thing. Is that a dialogue uh, we're open by doing that and by seeking that type of uh, knowledge, you're creating new uh, dialogues with these consciousnesses, the, the plants, and um, and you can learn from them in that sense. You know, you can create that dialogue and have a, a, um, an intuitive connection uh, for future healing or getting the things that you, you, you know, you may need from them in the future. Um, and they can help guide you as you create those connections. So as we, uh, increase our same with the garden and what I've got going in, in, in the greenhouse, the more you connect and go through that whole life process from growing your food to, you know, farm to table type of situation, uh, then you're strengthening these, um, these connections, these consciousnesses that have always exist are there. But for me, I didn't know you could have that dialogue until I started like having the dialogue, right? So, which I think for some of you guys may be like, yeah, no brainer. But for somebody like me, who's been in the city and, you know, living my life in the, in that world, this is all new, new fun stuff. So it's, it's very cool to connect in these ways. And I feel that reconnecting in these ways and making these connections is is part of what's going to usher us into the to the new earth that's awesome that's beautiful Ruben. <laughs> cool cool well if uh any last questions lucas has his hand up let's let's see what lucas has to say hey guys hey bridget <clears throat> um just wanted to share that over the weekend, um, this weekend was a star knowledge conference at Serpent Mound and, uh, it's the Lakota people that put that on kind of going along with what you were saying, Ruben, just the, uh, being connected with the land and they're conscious of that connection. And it feels like they have a lot to share with us and also a high level of consciousness of our star connections. Um, so really just sharing that that's fun and awesome that, uh, that's continuing 
progressed. Michael Lee Hill was there and he had a lot of beautiful things to share. In the uh, hybrid conversation, I think it's fascinating how the variety of appearance differences between the different hybrid children. And it's just fascinating, like how how complicated is all of this that's going on out there? Is this something that the Galactic Federation is organizing? Is Are the Greys working with that? I, it's just fascinating. And if you have any insights, um, I'd, I'd love your, your thoughts. Yeah, um, I would say the Galactic Federation is not participating, at least in the programs that I was a part of. But I think there's so many. I think there's so much going on. Um, but definitely even just within the hybrids that I'm aware of. Oh, my gosh. Like the the variety of what was created um, <laughs> is like as, as extreme as you can possibly get. Um, and that's what happens, I guess, when you're in experimentation. Let's, experiment. yeah. Let's like go go for whatever. Um, yeah, which, which is beautiful. And I think that, again, I've, I've said it before, but there's something to, okay, we have the racial conversation on earth happening and then it's like, okay, now let's open other species. It's like, wow, that's like a whole, like that opens just like a whole other, uh, level of integration that's required, like interspecies, uh, acceptance, um, which I've felt at different times because it's such an extreme variety. So yeah, I agree with you. So as far as the, the greys go, you don't feel like their program is a part of the Galactic Federation uh, oversight type of a collaboration thing? Not from what I've been told. I mean, maybe like Ruben, maybe you have more information on that, but I think it was like, yeah, not a part of the like agreement because that, it... Go ahead. Did that fall more under the draconian empire that seems to be a part of Earth's present, mostly past? Yes and no. You know, I, I don't think, you know, like there's some schools where it's like, uh, unin like unintentionally, you know, where it's, where it's uh, benevolent um, intentions, though it through malevolent coercion, right? Or like against the will, or it's like, I'm going to do this thing that's going to be the, for the betterment of, humanity and for the betterment of my species and my race but it's going to take coercion and like rape you know like so it's like oh gosh so um i think but then some of it is supposedly intentionally like malevolent so i think i think it's just a vast like array and so much of it too is it gets so tricky because it's so mixed in a bazillion time possibilities so it's like, which which one are we, like, talking about right now? Because it starts to get, like, so multidimensional in that aspect. Um, there is no history. Everything is now, right? Yeah. And so that does make the whole, like, how do you approach that aspect of ancestry when everything is now? Everything, well, everything is now and it's, well... <laughs> That's the point is everything is now. So that which was history is now and that which was unresolved and unacknowledged is playing out now. Um, and so because of that, it's like so 
beautiful and healing to like acknowledge those past challenges that have happened so that they can integrate and shift. And they do, you know, like they do. I mean, I've been, it's just incredible working with our present experience and how, how that can shift in, in the galactic conversation too, because I've experienced it because within our own morphogenetics, our own energetic genetic fields, um, when we shift something, it shifts our genetic line. When we shift something, it shifts the timeline. We know this. Um, and so how can that shift, um, you know, the galactic timelines as well? Because that's what a lot of people do that do my work. They're like, okay, I'm like cleaning out, you know, all my like genetic human lines. And then once I get through the genetic human lines, I'm going back and like clearing like the genetic cosmic lines. Like, whoo, like that's, that's good work right there. Um, to be Will you describe just like touch on what clearing that looks like like what your process is yeah um in its simplest form it's it's acknowledging the breaks where love cannot flow aka world war ii my grandpa's in like the japanese trenches is an example it's and saw his best friend die like, so it's like, that's, that's a, that's a break in like the flow of love. That's a, that's a moment of trauma. And because of that, there's a like clog in the pipes of, of like the flow of energy and what wants to be happening. And I've experienced it in like, in the genetic flow is literally like this pull spiral, like through our backs, like through, through our genetics. That's just like this living, blooming energy uh, that then gets passed on to the next generation. And it's, it's, man, it's just incredible. It's the whole avatar AWA thing, you know, like we're all tapped into this like pulsing tree. Like that's the energy of what it wants to be. And so as we like just acknowledge these, these points, like within our own lines, you might know some of them consciously, you might not know what they are. And that's part of it is we go and like find where those pieces are. And then we, acknowledge them and mend them and then that current can flow then we have so much more life force and those current because everything's now those pieces don't come up and block us in our lives which even though it's like well how is that relevant like how is like my grandpa in the trenches like relevant to now and it's like well my uncle like has almost died in a concrete trench that he was digging um and like these guys that were working for him did die in that trench so it literally like replays until it's looked at um and it, it can be the subtlest of energies it can just be like depression it can be like lack loss or sadness and so when these things are mended they don't live in us anymore and that's where that empowerment comes in um that we're reclaiming in that wholeness and when we're more whole and when we have that support um then we can like really be on our missions um, and get that clear information of like how to move forward. And then we're moving forward whole rather than like what's playing out now on, in the world is a bunch of wounded people, like, I don't know, making up a bunch of rules with each other. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, who is deciding this? A bunch of wounded people, you know? So it's like, okay, let's get ourselves whole and then we can help guide the shift, shift you know of of consciousness and uh, it really does make a huge difference um yeah i've seen it like play out so yeah hope that awesome. helps 
it really feels like the connecting is such an important aspect of the healing. So really appreciate you being here and sharing what you have to share. Yeah, of course. Thank you for the epic questions. Yeah, presence. Thank you. Thanks, Lucas. Yes. Um, one thing that Lisa Royale, um, I really respect her work and, and she helps sort of diffuse this, this, these different projections that uh, the new age community has on the Draco or the Zeta or different thing is that there's different tiers. So there's like past versions, how we perceive time, right? Past versions of the Zetas, present versions of the Zetas, and then the future versions of the Zetas. And her galactic um, cards, uh, I just was bringing up here, is a great example. Uh, she's got an app now that can go through it, but basically it's, um, it sort of shows that the the old old uh, tier one Zetas, right, that came in and did the abductions were unaware. So through the abduction experience, and then they created the hybrid programs, and then through the uh, connections with the, the the humans and the human mothers, and um, them realizing this lack of of uh, empathy, lack of of emotion is what's keeping these children from um, from growing and from reproducing. So the mothers were brought in, and then just for them being around the mothers, they started to reactivate their emotional bodies. And so there's this whole story created that shows that they were able to evolve past their limitations in shutting down their emotional bodies. And so the future versions of the Zetas have this connection they have reactivated their emotional bodies and now are able to connect in a more healthy way with themselves and with other species. So there's these different tiers of the Zetas, like tier one, uh, depending on the timeline, is yeah, there's they're no emotional body. They're just going to be very uh, dissective in what they do. And, and, and then there's these future versions. So I guess what I'm trying to offer is that there is an evolution through all of these different species. Uh, and we, we don't have to just say, oh, that's be Zeta, bad. Draco, bad. Blah, 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 bad. Or Palladian, good. You know, but in the Palladians too, they've had their crazy, you know, uh, evolutionary uh, Lyrans, like all of them, all of the Syrians. Uh, there's some really dark stuff that's been coming out from, uh, we thought the Syrians were super cool and clear and, now finding out that, you know, Syrians were helping the Anunnaki come in and create slave races and all this other stuff. So they've all got their baggage. They've all have overcome their baggage. And, and it's about aligning with which version of that race um, that can best serve our story, right? And, 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 and their evolutionary story and how they overcome that is that's where the lesson lies where, and how we can adapt that for for humanity. So um, I guess I just use that. Yeah, go ahead. It seems like um, that is some of our shadow work is looking at the more intense aspects of the history of our DNA. If I understand correctly, there's approximately 20 or there's 20 contributors to our, our DNA or different races and the, the reptilian the reptilians represent a, a couple parts of that and 
it feels like really uh, looking at our whole selves, the the darkest parts and where we've come from is and embracing that as part of the transformation process. And it feels like we're serving them as well to help the, the work that we do ripples, I guess, the work we're able to do individually ripples out. Uh, Absolutely. Into the, into the universe. Into the universe. That's right. Yeah. One small pebble into the lake and it just <laughs> <Yeah>. spreads out <laughs> for eternity. Um, all right. Well, with that said, I think we reached our time, um, right on time, actually. Um, again, uh, Bridget, thank you for, for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom. Uh, one more time, how do people find you and your, I'll put it in the, in the bottom of this anyways, but yeah. Um, just my website is yeah. great. You know, then you can go around. I've got a lot of, uh, my newest content is all, all is all podcast, not as much YouTube. So if you want any new stuff, um, yeah, you can check that out there too. And thanks for everything you're doing, Ruben, into this community. It's super fun to be with you guys. Yeah, I would love to continue the conversation for more, less of a lag of a check-in. Be down huh? the road, we'll have yeah, you for come sure. check in again. Yeah. See where it, but uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Ruben. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you like this interview. We actually do this every week on my membership portal page. And you can access it through interviewwithed.org or uh, click on the link uh, somewhere in here. I'll put a link and uh, come over and join us. You too can ask questions. Every week we have new special guests and you get to ask questions directly to the channelers and to the beans that they channel. So see you in the portal.